Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Wow. Happy New Year to everyone. What a great way, at least for me anyway, to start the new year. And we actually have a fabulous, fabulous show right here on our Street Smart Spirituality Hour. You have been listening to the show now. Many of you have been listening to the Dr. Pat Show for about four years now. And I've had a really great time over this holiday season to sit back and reflect on how grateful I am for each and every one of you. I've met so many of you in person in the live events that we do. I get to connect with you on air when we open up phone lines, through emails, and much more. And and one of the things that I know for sure is that it's through your gratitude and appreciation that you inspire so many people in what you do and how you reach out. And we want you to know that on the Dr. Pat Show this year, Talk Radio to Thrive By is going to have a huge meaning for so many of you. We're bringing people together that are out there living a life that will help each and every one of us understand the tools we need, understand how to overcome obstacles, understand how to be prosperous, how to make conscious money, and how to live life full out. My guest today, as we we start to launch our first show on BBS Radio for 2008, is an incredible individual herself. You're going to hear a little bit about her story. But for Dr. Markham, she has been a psychotherapist for 25 years. She has taught and consulted for many community groups and organizations. And so she's joining us here today to share something she calls practical aliveness. And with this hour today, we're going to take your calls. We're going to be able to help everyone out there take what they need to get out of the gate in 2008. The theme for this year is I am great in 2008, and we invite you to join us. Dr. Markham, thank you so much for kicking the year off with us here on this station and beyond and for joining us in a full hour of inspirational talk radio with me. So welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I'm I'm honored to be the first guest. Well, it's great to have you. I mean, practical aliveness, you know, that is so visual for me. I mean, that is an incredible uh, way for us to really look at our lives because each and every one of us, we not only want the big picture and the big vision, but we want to know how to get from where we are today, how to get there. Well, thank you. Um, practical aliveness for me um, means not just understanding the concepts of the things that we have that help us in life, but actually living them and learning how to use them in daily life, having tools that uh, help us figure out how to deal with our feelings, how to deal with our emotions in relationships, how to deal with them at work, and how to deal with them in making ourselves feel more like we can handle things in life. Well, I I think with all of the busyness, all of the things we've got going on, uh, clearly for people to understand how to handle all of the things that are coming at them left and right, I think is pretty incredible. I mean, we live in a world right now where multitasking used to be a word. When we heard it, we used to think, what What does that word mean? Now we not only know what it means, but we're trying to figure out ways to do more and more things at the same time, which I'm not sure serves us. I mean, but you get to work with countless people and help people understand 
what it is that their lives are about, and you use something very special. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about what you've discovered on your journey and what obstacles you've overcome yourself to bring you to this very moment. Well, uh, one of the main tools that I use with people is the Enneagram personality system. And um, I find that it's very useful to know where you fall in, in these categories because it helps you understand where where you are focused in life in terms of your particular worldview, which limits the way that you might see the world. And when we find out what that fixated view is, then we can expand our, our range of perception in the world. So that's one of the main tools I use. Also, I, I teach people communication techniques. But I do it from a different point of view. I think that it's you can't superimpose uh, communication skills that you've learned over old bad habits that you're already using. And you need to understand those old bad habits before you can actually implement a new skill. So those are the two of the things that I use in practical aliveness. Well, let's talk about some of the old bad habits before you know we launch in to uh, you know what some people believe is is ancient wisdom but let's talk about some of those old bad habits this is the perfect time of the year to do this i think every day is a really good day to be really to be willing to step up and move beyond those things that hold us back when we're referring to bad habits what are some of the things you're thinking about well all of us grow up in in a particular family of origin in which uh, each family is kind of like a culture unto itself. And in each family, there are kind of rules that, that the, the couple that starts the family uh, sort of set down. There's rules for the kids, and every family is completely different. So one family might be way overly expressive of their emotions, almost too much, too much anger, too much drama, and then another family may be so contained you never know that they're feeling anything. So I think it's important to know what your family of origin was and what, what habits you picked up from them. And they're not necessarily always bad. Um, they're just different. And if we're dealing with different people out in the world, it's important to know what our particular style was when we were growing up. Well, how do we get to that? I know I'm kind of jumping ahead because I knew that I was going to be speaking with you today, and I've, I've thought about myself. I thought, you know, how can I learn more about myself, more about who I am? But more importantly, I mean, there is something especially important about going on this journey of discovery, correct? Yes, yes. Um, without, without awareness, what we're coming from is kind of a reactive state where we're, we're um, reacting to the world from an unconscious place and not knowing what those unconscious patterns are that are, are motivating us. So once you're aware of what they are, then you have some choices and you're able to, to pick and choose, okay, this is the way I want to be, instead of just being at the mercy of, of your unconscious uh, old habits. And, you know, so how did you first get introduced to this? 
Well, originally, uh, it was in my own life. I, I, when I got married, I married uh, a man who had a two-year-old daughter, and I decided I needed to go to counseling because I had become a stepmother. And um, for anyone who's ever gone through that, um, you you suddenly enter motherhood and, and are trying to figure out what in the world is going on. And so I went into counseling way back in my uh, like mid-twenties and um, started trying to find out what what this was all about. And that's when I first learned communication skills. So for me, it was a matter of survival in my brand-new family, trying to figure out how to deal with a, a stepchild and wanting to do it right. And uh, so learning from my own um, uh, experience how difficult that was to do. Um, because in the heat of the moment when you're trying to work things out with your partner or with a child that you're dealing with, it's always difficult to implement. And even though you want to learn these skills, it's very difficult if you don't understand what came before uh, you learned the techniques. Oh, boy, do I know about this because, you know, I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, we we happen to, I happen to grow up in a family that was brought together exactly the way you're talking about oh. with my dad remarrying after my mom died and, and then two um, stepsisters being brought into the mix as well bringing two families together from two totally different cultures, and then my brother, of course, uh, coming along, and all of this trying to figure out how to raise children and bring a family together, and we're not even talking the same language most of the time. <laughs> yeah, people really actually want to get along with each other. That's what I have found in my work, that people genuinely want to get along with each other. The problem arise um, just because they they don't know what the other people's expectations are and then when you have when you have two different expectations rubbing up against each other then people interpret that as oh the other person doesn't want to get along with me which generally isn't true i find that most people really want to if you give them a chance to get along with you they will take it well and i think that that's true and and that's true too. And so often we kind of get all hung up on who's going to make the first move, who's going to take yeah. the first step. And you know, you found a tool that can help us not only understand about who we are, but understand how to work in the context of other people that are different. And so, you know, let's talk a little bit about the Enneagram and that, that it being a personality system of sort, you know, what it is, and also uh, we'll talk about the different kinds of, what, of well, do, should I say types? Is that the correct language mm-hmm. to use? Yes. So let's talk a little bit. I mean, you know, for for many people may not have heard um, this this being used before, But I think it's important that we share this because this is really an ancient system, isn't it? Yes, it originally came from the Sufi masters who used it for their students to help them see what their particular mental and emotional uh, habit of mind was in the way that they looked at the world 
so that they could help their students get out of that fixated way of being mm-hmm. and um, and expand their their ability to see and their awareness. Um, so it's a very old system, and uh, recently, um, around about the late 80s, was when it began to show up in Western psychology. It began to be taught. And Western psychology has embraced it, at least most of us have. Yes. <laughs> um, because it is a very accurate system. It's phenomenally accurate. Um, I, I have found it to be an incredible tool, um, both both in my own work just to, as a diagnostic tool, but also to teach to my clients to help them understand each other, especially I use it with couples, um, because it allows people to feel some compassion and forgiveness for the other person to understand where they're coming from. I mean, and this is really what we're talking about. I mean, compassion and understanding, oh, my goodness. I mean, can you imagine if everyone in the world were to take a minute and kind of look within uh, on what's happening in a relationship and in, in a dynamic? You know, I just went through this, uh, you know, tonight with a very, very dear friend of mine, and, you know, so often we don't stop to think, about what might be happening with the other person. So often we don't think at all before we kind of open our mouths. And and so this really is a tool for people to help be the best that they could be in many situations because we are here to be on this planet in relationship to each other. We were not given our own planet so that we can just hang out by ourselves. And And people, I find, often assume that the other person feels or thinks or sees things the same way they do. And that's actually not true. And that's where um, learning about the Enneagram personality comes in because you teach people that, you know what, this person is not seeing it the same way you do. They have a completely different interpretation of what's going on, and that's why you're getting into trouble. So I focus a lot on, on interpreting for for people so that they can see that, oh, they didn't actually intend to hurt me. And they can see it in a different light and then forgive their partner. Well, and that's really, you know, we've just now talked about a cycle of, of living. And, you know, we're not talking about lifetimes of this. I mean, what you've just described can happen in a nanosecond between two people. I mean, and, and sometimes you know, not being aware of the dynamic of what's going on uh, really puts us in a place of trouble. I know that for myself, there have been times in my life where I've said some things and I've wished, oh, my gosh, I want to take that back. I don't want to say that. Um, but once it's out there, it's out there. Yes. Yes. Um, it's never too late, however. <laughs> once it's out there, it's out there. But you can look at your you're the person that you're trying to communicate with and say, hey, let's start over. Let's do this right. I want to listen to you. I want you to listen to me. So then you can take your communication skills out of the closet and say, all right, let's start taking turns listening to each other. And so it's never too late to go ahead and and even even after the fact, you know, say a month later, you can even go to the person and say, you know, that thing that we did a month ago, I would really like to try to do that again. It's it's never shameful to do that. 
Well, I, I mean, that certainly is inspiring for many people listening to this show. And yet there is what you teach, um, uh, the whole process of understanding these personalities that personality types that I think are, are fascinating. I, I would love to take a minute and okay. go over how this works. I know okay. that for many people that have not heard this before, um, you're going to be blown away by this personality system. Let's give people an overview of what's, in, first of all, what the personality system is, is, is uh, in terms of um, how do you analyze it, and then let's talk about some of the types. Okay. So first of all, let, let me describe how it's set up. It, there are three groups of, of three, uh, nine in total personality types, and uh, they're grouped in three triads, which each triad has uh, traits in common with the other two uh, types in, in that triad. So uh, let's start with um, the central points would be, and they're all numbered, one to nine. So the central points of each of these three triads are three, six, and nine. And then uh, within the, let's start with the number three triad. Okay. So that would be two and four are lumped with number three. And they are what's called the image types. And their issue is that they have in common is wanting approval from other people. And that comes from a feeling of wondering, am I lovable? And uh, worrying about how they're seen by other people because of whatever happened in their childhood that made them feel insecure about that. So if we start with the number three in that triad, um, they were acknowledged by their parents for everything that they did as opposed to who they were as human beings. So the focus becomes on doing instead of being and accomplishing tasks and succeeding in their goals and in the way that they look to the world. So that's, that's why it's called the image type. And so threes become very focused on success as their way of getting approval and love. Um, so they are kind of the workaholics in the world. Yeah, so they are the what we refer to in a lot of different places, kind of the type A's. They're doing, doing, yeah. doing. Sitting in and just sitting is very, very, very difficult for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I absolutely have a friend that can't sit per se. I mean, sitting yeah. is just crazy. It can't happen. I mean, you know, we're either going to be playing a couple of different games or, you know, the mind mm-hmm. has always got to go. Yes. And what's, what's ironic for these people is they're doing it for relationship, but of course they never have time for relationship. So, so with every type, there's always a catch. There's always something that, that in fact, the actual goal of what they're setting out to do, they sabotage in some way. Oh, that's you know, interesting. It's a, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, unfortunately. And that's why the, the whole point of this is to get yourself out of that, that habit of mind. Mm. So let's go on with the, the other two in this triad. Let's take number two. Uh, the, the number two, uh, what they do in order to be lovable is they give to people. So they would be the classic codependents. And in their family of origin, what happened was um, they were not directly given anything in their family. 
they kind of got their needs met by meeting the needs of their caretakers first. So all the, the, the formula begins to be, if, if I take care of you, then you'll take care of me. And so that's the formula they take into their adulthood, and that's what they expect. So if I do this for you, then you'll do for me. And unfortunately, of course, uh, since other people don't know that that's the contract, they get themselves in trouble often um, where, where, of course, they're not getting back what they expect to get back. And And do they keep giving? Yes. Okay, oh, yes. so because so their giving habit. is endless because they're they're still looking as as I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm waiting for you to give me something yes. back. But the day that you give me back may never come. Right, and, and ouch, they'll, they'll get actually angry about that too. I bet. <laughs> yeah, you know, how come you didn't do this? I did all this for you, and of course, the the person that they're in the relationship with had no idea. <laughs> right, that this was what was expected of them, and. And uh, didn't didn't maybe didn't even ask for the things that were done for them. Mm. So um, so that's that's the the sort of the way that they end up sabotaging themselves. And you can see it's very innocent. You know, these are very innocent things. It's not like somebody sits down and is conniving about it at all. No, it's an innocent thing. It's no, it it sounds very natural. It yeah. sounds like everyone involved in every circumstance is being who they are very naturally. Yes. 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 So let's go to number four in this triad. Um, and that, uh, in the case of the four, what's happened to them is that somehow they got abandoned by a major uh, fate caretaker in their life. Okay. And it wasn't necessarily um, something that, that, like maybe even the caretaker died. So it's not necessarily their fault. Right. Maybe they had to leave for some reason. But the issue is abandonment. And so what that creates for the four is a sense of longing and doubt about their self-worth. Like, wow, maybe it was me that caused this person to leave me. And maybe there's something missing in me that um, caused them to leave. And so there's always this self-doubt of, of there must be something wrong with me. And so they're always looking to somehow make themselves better. Um, and so what they do is, is they, they, uh, they try to be special and unique in the world. Um, that's their way of, of getting love and approval. And um, uh, since they have a lot of this kind of uh, personal drama of, of being um, left behind, there's a lot of melancholy and mm-hmm. feeling, deep, deep feeling in their life. And they express this usually in artistic form. So these are the artists of the world. Right. They, they are the singers, the painters, the dancers, um, the, the uh, poets. Um, and they express this deep melancholy in, in, in many different art forms. And, uh, and they can be flamboyant uh, people who dress dramatically, but not necessarily so. The, the point is that they find some way to be unique and special in the world and to express this deep-felt feeling that's within them. Um, and, and the way that they get themselves in trouble is, is with the drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, they stir things up a lot in order to create this, this um, special feeling and um, in the process, a lot of people actually reject them for being too dramatic, too out there, you know, 
this is too much. You're you're taking up too much room. Right. You're talking too much about yourself. Right. You know, uh, it's that kind of thing. And so and they I, actually drive again, drive people away. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. The thing that they want most is yeah. the thing that actually is hardest to get. Uh huh. And and again, it's it's out of this innocence that that is understandable. It's completely understandable. So that's the that's the image triad there. So I, I want everyone to know, those of you that are just tuning in, that you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show. I'm your host, Dr. Pat Basili, and I have a special guest today. Dr. Vicki Markham is joining me here. We're talking about the Enneagram system, uh, the personality system, and we're going through and describing some of these so that you can get a sense of what we're talking about. We're going to take you through them all so you could see how this system works, an ancient system, and uh, and at some point in time or any point in time, if you've got comments or questions, you know what to do. One eight eight seven seven eight seven six five two two seven. That's our toll free number. Eight seven seven eight seven six five two two seven. And we are getting an understanding of ourselves so that we can step out into the world and be in the relationships that we want. I mean, this is very, very helpful, and I'm sure once you're through taking us through this, you're going to tell us how we can figure out who we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will try. <laughs> so, so let's go on to the uh, the next triad. Okay. All right. So, uh, this one is uh, called the fear or the mental triad. Okay. And uh, the central point is number six, and their issues are um, fear and self doubt. And uh, what happened, for, let's take the, the central one first, the number sure. six. And uh, what happened in their life uh, as a child was that there was a lot of, of un, unsafe situations, a lot of uh, probably trauma in their life, and so they learned to be very vigilant. They had to watch out and be careful. And you can see it in their eyes. Uh, they will look around and make sure that they're in a safe situation. Um, they're always looking for safety. Wherever they go, they want safety in relationships, safety in their circumstances, uh, safety at work. And um, uh, they, they tend to have a lot of self-doubt because they want to mm. make sure they're safe. So they're always going, well, is this really okay? Um, so they tend to question a lot. They're often called the questioners. Uh, is this okay? They'll question authority figures. They'll question their relationships. It's hard to get the trust of a six, but once you do, they're very, very loyal because they really do believe in believe in the person that, that they have come to trust. Once that gets established, it's okay. Um, so that is the central figure. And you can see again, of course, in looking for safety, they can, they might drive people away in their suspiciousness. You know, yeah, because you uh-huh. know when you when you think about that, and it's funny that you're mentioning this because I just had this conversation with someone. Um, you know, they use the term interrogate. I feel like I'm being interrogated uh-huh. all the time. Yes, and that's what it sounds like to someone who doesn't understand where it right. comes from. Right, right. So that's the number six, and then in this same triad we have five and seven also okay. on, on either side of the six. And let's start with the number five. Uh, in their childhood, 
somehow uh, there was some kind of intrusiveness that happened. Now, either it was a parent that was just a little bit suffocating and, and took too good care of them or something, um, or it could have been like in one five I knew spent a lot of time in the hospital as a child because she had to have several operations, and so she felt like she could never uh, have her own space. She was always being intruded on in terms of needles and shots and and surgery and and so what happens to the young five is they retreat into their head into the mind into their their own little world inside and that's where they feel safe that's where they can retreat from the world and they become thinkers and uh what makes them feel safe is when they know a lot about something um Fives are people that research uh, everything. They know a lot about uh, one little topic because they've researched it completely. Um, so these are kind of the professors of the world, you know, the, the people that live in their heads and, and know a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't tend to trust much outside of their, their mind. Right. Um, it's like, show me. And then yeah. I'll believe it. Mm-hmm. If and I can't see it, if I can't feel it, if I can't know it to be true, then it must not be. And and it's all about safety. It's all about making sure I'm okay, reassuring themselves. Mm-hmm. And Got so they it. Tend to, they tend to be, withdraw from the world, live in their heads, and be more like observers, you know, observing the world. They don't trust uh, relationships very much because in their experience as children, those uh, uh, relationship meant intrusion, and so they need a lot of privacy, and they don't want you to intrude. You have to be kind of careful with fives. If you're in relationship with one, you, mm-hmm. you know to to back off a little, and then and then that will allow them to come forward, because they they learned uh, that relationship that love meant intrusion. Wow, that could be so powerfully heartbreaking at many many levels i mean this is so insightful so let's go on to the number seven all right uh, uh, that's this will be the third of the fear types or the mental types because the the reason the reason this is mental is that fear exists only in the mind it's something about the future if you if you think about fear, it exists right. in the future. I'm afraid of this going to happen. Right. We don't usually stop and say, you know, I'm really afraid of, of you know, when I fell down on my bike when I was mm-hmm. six years old. We don't say, I, I'm afraid of that. Right. We may say, I'm afraid of getting on that bike because I'm afraid of crashing. Yeah. So the number seven, uh, what happened for them is that in some in some way, they were neglected in their childhood, and and usually we're talking about an emotional neglect. Often, it's from from the most important caretaker, the mother, that they just feel somehow uh, like they didn't get a lot of attention. And their decision as a young child is this: this is not going to happen to me again. I am going to take care of myself. So they get very self-sufficient very uh, able to go out there and get what they need and want because they didn't get that when they were when they were little. And again, it's not in an extreme way. It's not like they were deprived terribly. It's it's more like a an emotional neglect. Um, like 
I am a number seven myself, and in my situation growing up as a child, I was the oldest of four girls, and mm-hmm. when I was, by the time I was four years old, my mother had three younger kids than me, two of whom were twins. And so, basically, I took care of myself, and she was somewhat overwhelmed. <laughs> and it's not, not her fault necessarily, but it was just the circumstances. Right. And, and I think everybody listening to the show can relate to those circumstances. Yeah. You know, I have a very dear friend who, you know, is the oldest in the family, and, you know, as caring as her parents are, they were very involved in other things, and she became responsible for the other people. So, you know, the whole idea of safety and protection is very important. Yeah, and and it's not always the oldest kid either. I have one dear friend right. for whom it, he was the youngest child in the family, and the same thing happened to him. It was just the circumstances of that particular family where he was the one, because he was youngest, that just didn't get enough attention. So um, so the young seven then learned to to do it for themselves, and they're they're very self-contained, and um, and they tend to to have a lot of fun in life because they're out there getting what they need. So some people look at the the seven and think, oh, I want to be a seven. They look like they're having a lot of fun. <laughs> but in truth, it's driven by anxiety and fear that they won't get what they need. So it looks like fun on the surface, but on the yeah. inside, there is a lot going on yes. that they're a lot, afraid of. A lot of fear. And a lot of fear. Got it. And and the seven themselves may not even be aware of that. Right. You know, I mean, I was just going to ask you that. I, I, I mean, did you know that this was going on for you? No. 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 Not until I really studied the Enneagram, and then I went, oh, my God. <laughs> that is what's really going on. Because the seven actually denies their fear. They don't want to admit it. Mm-hmm. You know, no. Who, me? I'm not afraid. It's not me. you got to be yeah. kidding. Look at me. I'm out in the world. This doesn't look like <laughs> fear, does it? <laughs> yeah. I totally understand. I mean, this is, you know, what you're talking about. I'm sure our listeners can appreciate a little bit of this and a little bit of that and be saying, wow, I think that's me or I think that's somebody I know. But it really is more involved than that. We'll talk about that in a minute. So, okay. you know, this is perfect to get a sense. Of what shows up in our lives. Okay, let's do the last try. Okay. And um, I'm trying to figure out which one I am. Let's see. (laughs) So uh, we have number nine as the central one here, with eight and one on either side of it. Um, And this this triad, their issue is anger, and this comes from what is called self-forgetting, and I will explain that in a minute. Okay. So uh, for the number nine, the central figure here, in their childhood, um, basically nobody ever asked them, what would you like? Or how do you feel about this? Or what's your opinion? They were the kid that kind of got lost in the shuffle, and they went along with, you know, the whole family and what the whole family was doing. Oftentimes the nines are the middle child that sort of gets lost between the oldest and the youngest child. and. And and it's not the family's fault, you know, necessarily. They just don't get asked, who who are you? You know, what do you want? And so as a result, the little nine doesn't learn that skill of going inside and saying, what do I want? Mm-hmm. How do I feel about this? They, they literally don't know because they didn't learn to do that. And so their focus becomes on almost completely on the outside world, it's a very diffuse focus on the whole 
they take in the whole outside without necessarily picking anything out because no one ever asked you, do you want this one or do you want that one? You know, so, so it all looks the same to them. Oh, that's the outside world and it's all the same. And I don't have an opinion about it one way or another. And so uh, as adults then, nines become um, focused more on the outside world and, and don't know what they want. So they'll tend to go along with people on the outside and it takes them a while to figure out, you know what, I don't really want to be doing this after all. <laughs> and um, that's how they can get into trouble sometimes. Yeah, they may be stuck for a really long time in a situation or a place yeah. or doing something they really don't want to do until the, what, something happens where they can say, wow, I really don't want to do this. It takes a nine a much longer time to figure out what they want. And it can be frustrating for whoever they're in relationship with. But this is the way the nine is self-forgetting. They don't know who they are, what they uh, want. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that causes anger because later on they go, well, I didn't really want to do this. You know, it's nobody's fault, but they still are going to feel resentful and angry about that. Do they tend to do what other people yeah. uh, come to? They, what, what I'm trying to say is there was a movie that came out not uh, a while ago with Julia Roberts, uh, and and it had to do with the runaway bride. Yeah. And you know the the bottom line, as as I saw it to this movie, yeah. was that she didn't know what she liked. Exactly. She didn't know if she liked hard boiled eggs. Yeah. She didn't know this. She didn't know that. And so she would run away at uh-huh. the point where it was most important to commit. Yes. Yeah, that's a good example of of a nine who doesn't know and then realizes too late. I didn't want to do this. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. So so that's the the trouble for the nine. They're very easygoing people who everybody loves because they go they go along with everything. People love nines. And they also the great thing about the nine is that they see everybody else's uh, opinion. They understand because they look at the outside world and they can say, well, I can see that, and I can see that, and I can see that. Mm. So they often make very good mediators. Oh, I was just thinking that myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they don't yeah. have an opinion of their own. So to speak. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they can see everybody else's just fine. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's go on to the number eight, okay. which is in this triad on, on one side of the nine. And... What happened in the in the eighth childhood is a, a a bit of a harsh childhood, where they had maybe an authoritarian uh, parent, um, uh, and what they learned is uh, people control you, uh-huh. and if you don't want to be controlled, then you need to get yourself in a position of control. It's kind of like, um, you know, having a military father that says, do this, do that. And uh, and so they learn that the only way to uh, get what you want in life is to be in the in position of control. Mm-hmm. And they sort of act like warriors in the world. You know, they're, they're, um, they're, they're on the offensive all the time. I'm going to take this because if I don't, then I won't get it. I understand um, completely, yes. That's, that was the situation they grew up in. And so it makes sense that they would do that. But, of course, to other people um, around them, it, it looks intimidating and, and they can be resented. 
Um, but for the eight, it makes sense. This is how you got things in life when you were a kid. Um, but what they left behind in, in the process of doing this, in the process of becoming this warrior-like person, um, they left behind their, their own vulnerability, their own innocence, their own fears. They deny that completely. Who, me? I have no fear. Right. I'm the warrior. And right. you know when you're a warrior on the battlefield, you cannot show your fear. No, so, eat, eat or be eaten. <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, absolutely. And so they've left behind their own innocence. Mm-hmm. And so behind um, every eight is this innocent child that didn't get to express themselves when they were young. And that's what the eight needs to find, ultimately, is to reclaim their vulnerability, to to say, it's okay to be vulnerable. And... Um, and the process of doing that, of course, is is to realize that they're not always right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Wow. I'll tell you, learning these lessons must be incredibly difficult. Well, um, yes and no. I mean, once you see which one you are, okay, all the, all the pieces kind of fall into place. But yeah, I, I was I was just thinking that. I mean, without this understanding. It's almost like, you know, you're playing pin the tail on the donkey and you're blindfolded and you're just kind of poking around until maybe you get it. Mm-hmm. And once you see your perspective and how, how oh, you know, when I first read about the seven, I thought, how could anybody describe me so well? Uh-huh. <laughs> I was left sitting there kind of laughing in an embarrassed way, you know, kind of like you do when someone catches you in something you know exactly (laughs) and and you you go oh wow you know they see me it was it was that kind of feeling and and i and then i also saw myself you know so so if you get that that hit off of this then the doors start to open up for you in terms of your perception of what's going on in your life Mm. and it it can open easily if you're if you want that you know if you really want it 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 all of it begins to make sense. So let's do the last one here. And that's num- the one. The, the number one. The number one. So uh, what happens for the one in life is that they're in a family uh, growing up as a child where everything has to be perfect. Mm. And they're getting judged a lot. You didn't do this right. You didn't do that right. And so they take on this attitude of I have to do it right before I can go out and play. And um, every every I has to be dotted, every T has to be crossed, everything has to be done to perfection um, before I will be an acceptable human being. And um, so they become perfectionists. And uh, if you want something done right, give it to a one for sure. But you can see that the problem is it creates for them in their lives, they, they judge themselves, they judge other people, um, they're never they're never doing it quite good enough. I, I had a one friend who she was showing me her new office and it was beautiful. She had the furniture, she had everything. She showed me her files, and then she apologized to me because her files weren't color coordinated. Mm. You know, so that's the level of detail that a one looks at. Is she thinks she has to have them all color coordinated? They can't just be alphabetical. You know. So um, it, it it causes the one to not uh, give themselves relaxation, play, 
um, recreation in life because they're too busy dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's. They're just going all the time for yeah. you know towards the, with the end of per, being a perfectionist in mind, which is impossible. Mm. You, you'll you'll never get there, and um, and that's the that's the thing that the ones leave behind in themselves is is this not allowing themselves to relax. They never get that. There's always one more thing to do to make it perfect. And so that's the, the, well, that's the part of themselves that they forgot. Remember, this is the self-forgetting triad. Exactly, and right. The nines forget their own, you know, what they want. The, the eights forget their vulnerability, and the ones forget their own pleasure. So how does one figure out where, you know, which, which type you are? I know there's information on your website, so let's make sure everybody has your website so they can go to find out more about you uh, and the work that you do as well. It's practicalaliveness.com. And on the website I have uh, articles on each of the nine types. So there will be a one-page summary there of, of each of these if you want to read a little bit more about what they are and um, see if you can pick out which one you are. And the way to do that is to really look at um, what motivates you in life. So for me, if I really admit, you know, what is the thing that's behind everything I do, I would have to say that, that the big motivator for me is anxiety. You know, I want to be safe. And so that's kind of what will lead you to um what type you are, at least, first of all, to the triad you belong in. And then once you're in the right triad, you can look and see. It's pretty obvious then which which one within the triad. Like what flavor of fear do you have? Or what flavor of, of uh, image do you project onto the world? Or what flavor of anger do you have, self-forgetting? Um, so that would be how to pick it, is what is the ultimate motivating factor for you? Hmm. Uh, well, this is definitely for me. I'm going to take a look at the the types because, as you were speaking, I, I, it's almost like I found a little bit of this one, a little bit of that one. You, you know what I'm saying? I related to different different aspects of what you of what you well, were we talking could, about. We could but there were some that I that. go ahead. Yeah, there were some that I said not. I don't relate to that. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? For example, I'll give you an example. Uh, definitely the whole idea of perfectionist is not okay. me. Yeah, that is totally, that would be so far from who I am uh, <laughs> that I'm really clear that, that that's not who I am. Okay. Yeah, so I, I'm pretty good with that. And then, you know, am I one of these folks that doesn't have a, an opinion? People tell me I'm really even, even, easygoing, but do I not have an opinion? Not really. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, will I go to a movie that someone else wants to see? Yeah, but do I know that I don't want to see it? Absolutely. <laughs> so mm-hmm. so as you're talking about these, I'm looking at, uh, you know, and does fear motivate me? And, you know, there have been times where fear has motivated me, but I wouldn't know that that would be the number one thing on my left, on my mm-hmm. list. So if I eliminated those things, I probably would be drawn to, you know, the first, the image types, uh-huh. but I'm not sure. I mean, okay. is my approach sound? <laughs> Am I on the right track? But yes, I know there's yes. a process, though, that you can help people uh, go through so they can very specifically 
you know, find out which type they are. Is this not true? Yes, and and if you'd like, we can we can help narrow it down with you as an example. Oh, let's use me as an example. Okay. So, um, with the image types, the the main question would be: um, Is recognition really important to you? And you know, I I think that that is true at a lot of different levels. I think it is true. And the reason that I look at that, and I have to think about this a little bit more because, you know, I, my, my salespeople tell me that I am the worst person to absolutely get out and talk to people about what we do because people will say, you know, tell me about the show. And, I, and I'll give about two or three sentences, and I won't come out and talk about, well, we do this or we do that. But I, when you use the word recognition, I go back to my corporate experience. Mm-hmm. And the thing that comes up for me is a thing around, quote, justice. And that is mm-hmm. giving people credit for what they do. Oh. And so it's that area that comes up for me, and which is interesting in the corporate world, you rarely get due recognition for what you do. So mm-hmm. for me, I've had to, you know, be in that environment, be with that. So I'm very mindful to make sure that I give people recognition for oh. what they do. So that's the thing I relate to when you talk about recognition. But do I have to go out and get a bunch of awards? And and actually, I don't, but I feel like that's been a part of my life. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean that you need the awards so much, but you may really enjoy, for example, getting the recognition of being on the radio like we are right now. Yes. That's a good form of recognition. Yes. And... um, and it gives you a chance to to share that with other people as well. Um, gives you relationships with people all over the world. Absolutely. Know, so they, yeah. And I like recognizing other people for what mm-hmm. they do. And so that's why I kind of held on to that because I truly get joy and fulfillment out of bringing someone like you on and recognizing the good work you do. People say to me, uh, and I've had this said to me from other people in syndication, they said, you know, why do you always bring on people that you always agree with and you always talk so highly about? That's never going to get you on national radio. You've actually got to bring people on that you actually want to pick on and bully. And I said, <laughs> wait a minute, that's like my worst nightmare. <laughs> yes. Well, um I think I think that, that that shows that you're also whatever type you are, you are a mature uh-huh. person within that because um each of the types of course has different levels of health as well. Oh, let's talk about that for a yeah. little bit because that's I think that's gonna be important for people. It's it's as if, you know, maybe you could you know, maybe we can go through an evolution as we grow and we get to understand these types. Yes, and, and what happens for the types is you evolve within that type. In other words, you don't become another type. Okay. What you do is you evolve into a more and more aware person within that type. And it's called um, uh, evolving into the, the essence qualities of the type. So uh, a more enlightened person would have these essence qualities. And each of the nine types uh, has specific qualities they they become more uh more aware of when they become mature and um let's see well that makes sense to me because you know now that you said that and i would invite our listeners to do 
with what Dr. Markham and I are doing here today to really look at this because, you know, I can look at different times in my life where I've competed in sports and, you know, and I think about that right now and I think about what that's like at, at times that I've won and what that was, that was like at times that I've lost. And now I look at it and I don't have the same response now that, you know, I'm, I, as you said, maybe more mature through this, but clearly being out in the public and getting recognition for uh, what I'm doing on radio or any other places in that sense makes sense to me. I would definitely mm-hmm. put myself in that first category then. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, can, I can show you an example of the evolution by just using myself as an okay. example here. So. For the seven, the the issues, the fixated issues are are uh, um, for the mind. The fixation is planning, so they're always planning to get what they need. Okay, got it. And then the emotional fixation is gluttony. I want I want more. I want more of this. It's not gluttony in the sense of I'm going to eat a lot of food. It's more like I want more of these good experiences in life. That's what the seven wants, is to always be interested in moving forward, and that's how they avoid their fear. I've always got something new and interesting lined up. So it's that kind of gluttony, gluttony for experience. So the seven would go from from um, the fixated qualities of planning and gluttony to the essence qualities of which are called work and sobriety. Uh-huh. So instead of always planning with anticipation for the future, uh, it's kind of like anticipation is the drug for the seven. You know, that's what we're addicted to is anticipation. I'm going to get this. Instead of doing that, the, the idea is to work and get down to business. Be in the here and now and do your work. Mm-hmm. So that would be the essence quality to this anticipatory planning that they're constantly in. Wow. So once you get to, to the essence quality, you just get down to work and you, and you stay in the moment and you do your job and you don't worry about the future. Uh, yeah, and that's, you know, what we say is you don't get out there and do some future tripping. Yes. Well, and I mean, the, this is so, I have to tell you, this is so helpful, especially for many people right now that are, are, are really contemplating and being pulled to the energy of 2008. I mean, this is, as many people have said before, you know, you have to understand what's going on in your own house sometimes before you can get out there and help somebody build theirs. And this, yeah. wouldn't you say, Dr. Markham is, is a, the perfect way, and, and I'm actually enjoying this conversation. I haven't much in my past really liked having uh, assessments and you know believe it or not mm-hmm. I come from a human resource background and not yes. not wanting to deal with assessments is probably counter to that career choice <laughs> but you know this is a way for us to look at each of these types understand it and then more importantly I think as you said before understand the other people in our lives yeah well, the, the reason I like the Enneagram personality system so much is because it's not a negative system right it talks about uh, forgiveness and compassion and and moving um, to the essence qualities and understanding where we are with each other so it's not it's not a negative label and um, and I find it very exciting to 
talk about it with people because I believe it gives people a tool to move forward. Well, I have to tell you, uh, you have certainly talked about it in a way that in, in, in this short hour today has enabled me to open up both on the air and uh, internally to reflect on the many, many things you have to say. And this is something that I personally am going to find out more about. This has been a wonderful, wonderful time with you, Dr. Markham. I want to make Mm -hmm. sure everyone out there knows um, how to get to your website, which is incredible, by the way. Uh, Check it out, everybody, uh, practicalaliveness.com. That's practicalaliveness.com. And do you have a phone number, uh, an 800 number of any kind, or is everything on the website? It's on the website. Um, I have a phone number. It's not, it's not an 800 number. Well, let's give out your phone number for okay. people that want to contact you directly. And I do do phone sessions with people. I can do typing sessions or counseling sessions over the phone. Excellent. So it, it is a area code 831-335-7270. One more time. 831-335-7270. Well, thank you so much for a very insightful uh, hour. I'm going to be thinking about this for a really long time. I enjoyed this also. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. And for many of you that have been sitting and listening to the show as well, you're going to want to find out more about yourself. Are you the perfectionist? Are you something else? And what does this mean? And how can we get to that place of essence that is in, in inside each and every one of us. My special guest today, Dr. Vicki Markham, has joined me here for a fabulous, fabulous hour. You can find out more about her by checking her out on her website, practicalaliveness.com. I'm your host, Dr. Pat Basile. Go to my website. We're on a bunch of hours every week, www.thedrpatshow.com. Sign up for a newsletter. We've got lots going on. You're going to see a lot of changes and a lot of ways to get you involved. Until next week, everyone, know that you are loved and know that you are blessed. Have a good one. Don't you hold yourself